0: Welcome to the War Room, Ryan Ray here as always, thank you so much for tuning in, and today we have on a special guest, Frank Diamato, who is an author and former mobster, that's right, tied up with the mob, and of course his dad was and family was as well, um, we'll link to his books in the show notes at RyanRaySenior.com, but let me just say this, if you could, please drop a five-star review wherever you are listening to this quality podcast this morning, this afternoon, or evening. We would really, really appreciate it. Okay, without further ado, let's see what Frank Diamato has to say about Hoffa, Trump, and Rudy Giuliani. Welcome to the War Room, Frankie. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. All right, well, let's get into it. Maybe... Uh, obviously, I read your bio in the introduction of the show, but maybe give just a, a little bit expanded version of kind of who you are and who your background is, because we got a lot to unpack. You've got a lot of books, you've got a lot of magazines, and you're tied to one of the subjects that seems to captivate America. So maybe unpack a little bit more about who you are.
1: All right. Well, I was a neighborhood South looking boy. You know, I grew up in the Red Hook. My father was, uh, ran out of the Gallo crime family. Uh, as I grew up, you know, uh, all the, uh, Gallo crew members were uncles and, uh, very close with me. So, uh, that's a style I knew. That's what the look I knew. Uh, my father was very close with Larry Gallo. he wanted to be in his bodyguard for 10 years. So I grew up under the, you know, under their nose. And I just wound up, uh, you know, following their footsteps, uh, like a lot of young guys in a Red Hook did. You know, I was just more lucky to be. My father was involved, and I just grew up to, you know, start driving and having uncles that are all killers and uh, in jail, out of jail, uh, funny as hell, crazy nicknames. But uh, that's basically my stuff, my story. My father's a story. I just, you know, I just went on the ride with him. <laughs> uh, you know, came up in, uh, in the late fifties. One was working for Tony Bender, uh, in the family as a bouncer. And, uh, Joey and Larry Gallo was doing a breakaway from, uh, Joe Bofaci at the time. And, um, Tony Bender was trying to help them out, you know, talking to the skippers, See how they can uh, make this move, and my father wound up being at the same time bouncing the place. Uh, he wound up getting a fight with a black guy that was white, born a white guy girl talking to a white girl at the time, which was like pretty taboo then, you know. Uh, and he winds up uh, knocking this guy out with two punches, and the guy wound up being uh, Emil Griffith. He was a middleweight champ, wow. and uh, he had really good hands, my father. So Larry and Joey liked that. They needed some more muscle in Brooklyn. They asked Tony Bender if uh, if they if we come in Brooklyn. And my father wound up in Brooklyn with the Gallo crime family, and that's how pretty much how it started. You know, then his activity working every day with them. You know, especially driving around Larry. You know, it's every day uh, chore. You know, we home. Uh, they, they were my home home a lot. So you just get to see these guys uh, all the time and. Uh, that's what you know. And when I was old enough to start driving, I was the next driver. And that's pretty much how I started.
0: Yeah. And so when you go back and you kind of watch now, there's it seems there's always new documentaries about the various crime families and and what was going on and who was involved, who wasn't involved. What's it like being attached to that and watching these documentaries come out? Are they mainly accurate or they get a lot wrong? What do you think the depiction of this era is?
1: I mean, they get it close. I mean, because you got a lot of guys that you know that came out of the closet now that can tell the real stories. So you got they come pretty close to what's going on. Uh, uh, I think they're pretty close. But you know, you got to live it and do it every day, uh, naturally, to show it, to see how you know it's it's in its raw. You know, you know, Hollywood makes everything look more glamorous. You know, but they're close. You know, the surprise were close. Good fellows were close. Uh, you know. Uh, I think they overdo it a lot because that's, you know, going to make money is to make money. It's not to tell the true story. But, you know, it's easy telling a story. It's hard living the story, you know. Uh, But they're pretty good. They're pretty good. They're pretty accurate, you know. You know, like I said, a lot of guys just just go, you know, over the top, you know. Uh, uh, But uh, otherwise, it's it's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would suspect that, you know, if you – follow the, the lives of these various men, um, there's probably a lot of average days. And so something like The Sopranos is taking the, the non-average days, if you will, and making that into a, to a series, to a show, to, to keep viewers around.
1: Well, you know, you can't, you know, I mean, they capture that pretty good, but, you know, you do stuff every day. You know, this is a job. You know, it, it don't, you know it's not a nine-to-five job. It's a 24-hour job so they capture very good but you, you can never you know capture the whole thing because you have to like i said you have to live it you know to explain it it loses you and it, it loses a lot to try to explain something but uh, uh that life is, is a uh, is a 24-hour job and uh but they like i said they did a real good job i mean they had a guy uh that's doing consultation with them or whatever it's called that filled them in Everything was going on because I was with that crew for a while. Towards the end, I was with uh, uh, what's his name, Louis, uh, uh anti Rotunda, uh, that's Vinny Ocean's crew. And, and he was my skipper for a while, so I met all those guys. You know, uh, they, it's close, you know, it's close, you know, you know, they don't show uh, all the you know, uh, they can't show all the bad things that, that they do, you know. Or, what we say and what we do, but uh, like I said, it's entertainment, and you know, but they do a good job. I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, I lived it. I, I did most of it, so and it's, it's you know, uh, if you did it, you would understand more what they're doing if they did it, if they didn't did it, it was bullshit. If you're an <laughs> outside looking in, you know, just you know, being a, a enthusiast, uh, it's hard because they, their brains are fogged with a lot of it, um, a lot of stories that you don't know, they don't know if it's true or not. They just gotta they gotta depend on, you know, uh, even depend on guys like me, you know, I could mm-hmm. be you contributing know, to that too. Uh so you really, you know, you gotta be there to know what the, the feeling uh but they're pretty accurate. I mean they really are.
0: Do you think if the average American were to maybe do a an undercover follow of 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 kind of the, the mob, would they walk away going, oh my gosh, this is a this is but they feel differently, I guess, because if you think about war movies, um, obviously war movies sometimes can glamorize war to where it's it's not the the horror of what's going on is kind of missed. Um, and sometimes they do a good job of like really in capturing, uh, uh, capturing the what's going on and how tough it is. Like you think like Saving Private Ryan and just how tough it was on D-Day. Um, do you think if the average American was able to kind of put a camera and follow around um, some of these guys in the prime, would they walk away as interested or would they be a little bit more oof? That's that's actually a lot more hard than I thought it yeah. was
1: gonna be. Yeah, no, if they if they had a camera and really follow somebody through a real deal, it would be a lot more scarier than you know, the glamorous uh, yeah, because so, a lot of scary things happen. You know, we say a lot of things and do a lot of things that you know we can't speak of right. I especially I Matt mean, I can't say nothing. But but in general, you say things that normal people don't say. You know what I mean? You know, I say things that you know, in the in the day and sometimes now. That humans don't say, you know, that grandfathers don't say or fathers or don't say that you know could possibly be done. So it's it's scary, you know. A lot of guys are you know out of their minds, you know, in those days. And power was power was you know made you more crazy, you know. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I think the walk around. I think the walkway pretty scary if they got around the right guys. I mean, they went around. My father, or Bobby Giovanni and those guys—if they were if they were real deal guys, you know—they weren't uh, sweet talking nobody. You know, they were bad guys. You know, they were also good guys and funny and stuff like that at barbecues. But uh, you know, when when the, when it was business, because they 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 had turnoffs. Either it was business or pleasure. Business, they would shoot you in the face, and pleasure, they would uh, go barbecue with you. You know, so. I, yeah, I would think they would be really taken back uh, to be there and hear it and see it live. Yeah, sure. It would be, you know. It's not glamorous at all. I mean, you, you know, we look good, we dress well, but to do that, you have to do things that normal people, don't do, and, and so normal people don't do.
0: How do you go about building trust in these relationships? How do you know who you can trust and, and who, you have to watch out for because obviously your your whole livelihood's on the line every day.
1: Listen, you you learn as you go, you know, you get a mentor. My, my father's a mentor growing up. I had a lot of mentors. Joe Shapani was my mentor. He was with Lucky Luciani. So and Frank and Frank Costello and Joe Adonis. So these guys are really, really well educated in this life. I was lucky because you know I didn't just go hang out with them. They in my house every day, you know, we eat together and uh, and they and they prep you, and you learn, and uh, they teach you, you know, uh, what to look for, what the sound the bullshit is, who's genuine, who's not. You you get to know it. You get you get to know if you are not an idiot. You know what I mean? You you learn. You know, some guys get in this life, and they just want to be. Oh, I want to be a gangster, and they do. Uh, they don't know this life. You know, you just be a, a jerk, do something wrong and uh just make sure you have enough evidence on the guy above you and now you're a gangster it's not the old days weren't that way when i came up you you know we have rules and regulations and and you you if you have a good mentor mentor you you learn a lot and you last longer
0: yeah and and so you mentioned kind of um you, know, you were with one group and then you moved to another group. Is that common? Is that rare? Because again, from the outside, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, when you come up with one family, that's kind of where you're at.
1: Now, it's 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 pretty common. A lot of guys get transferred from one, one family to another. If you're not straight, not in that family, made in that family yet, and you're a big earner and uh, you have a, a rabbi in another family, like like we were down in Street for many years, you know, Chrissy Tick from the uh, Lucchese wanted us to go over there because my father did work for them. And uh, they, you get close relationships and they like to bring you over. These guys want to make money. If you're an earner, they want to bring you over with them. You know what I mean? Sometimes you get a release. Sometimes you don't. It's all called cool how strong the guy who's action you. Sometimes you get something in return. You know what I mean? We said no, because we were down President Street. We want to stay down President Street with uh, with Joey. Uh, but it's, it, is, it is common. A lot of guys, you know, uh, moved over, um, you know, uh, you don't hear about it much because they, they do it young, and that wasn't a big topic of you know who's with who, what with what. And even me the Bull is the first one you can think about, it. he's the most famous everybody knows. I mean, he was the Columbo's the one that Gambino, so you know that's one of, uh, of many you know uh, that went over that famous that people would know. I know a dozen that you wouldn't know who they are, but uh, I mean, we went over, we went from the Joey Gallo crew, we went over to Chin you know, to the Genovese family. Then we got released from the Genovese family because we, we were selling drugs. We were supposed to sell drugs. I so was got killed. And then we got released. And then we wound up, uh, because we were good earners and my father, uh, well-respected, uh, we wound up going with uh, Sammy the Plumman's crew out in Jersey because uh, Anthony Vitonda's father got killed, which was a, a couple in that family. And they wanted to straighten the sun out. And uh, suddenly, the mentor—they called my father we to mentor him, and that's how we wound up in in Jersey with uh, Anthony Rotunda and, and same diploma. Uh, so it, it happens, you know, it happens.
0: Yeah. So this concept of being a good earner has always fascinated me because being a good earner, obviously, you're making a lot of money. You make a lot of money for the family, uh, for your for your boss, um, but you probably have a skill set if you're a good earner. Uh, unless it's just strict brute force to take that out into the normal workforce and probably make up a lot of money as an entrepreneur there. Do you see guys that come up and they, they're making a lot of money and they go, you know what? I could just go legitimate and make money because I have the skill sets already to do this.
1: Okay. Most guys that are successful right now, do all have legitimate businesses. Mm. We had legitimate business since we were, since the seventies, we had uh, Astro news. It was a, a, a Newspaper distributing company. I've been in distributing business all my life. Uh besides being a hulum in the middle of the night. But uh, you know, that during the day, we, you know, we ran businesses. Most successful guys today are, are business owners. Either they're in restaurant business, carting business, uh many, many businesses. They're in, you know, uh, uh, real estate. So anybody successful, move their money around. You know uh if you're an earner you gotta you're gonna move it around to make it earn earn for you now if you're selling junk you gotta clear this money up if you're doing bonds you're to clear the money up you know if you're you know uh, if you get getting envelopes from someone you got to clean it up And how do you clean it up you gotta you buy legitimate businesses that's why a lot of guys you know you see a lot of restaurants today in in in, in this you know especially new york area that are, are run by or in the background are run by wise guys because that's what they turned their money into you know they, they were smart and that's what they did yeah the, the, some, something something you become a good earners because you're well liked and uh, and people come to you you know if you're not a banana and, and everybody and you rob them and, and the, the word goes in your street don't go there because these guys are only gonna rob you and you deal with people you know fairly they're gonna come to you they're gonna bring a score to you they're gonna bring when something falls off the truck they're gonna come to you if there's a, a, a drug deal, they're going to come to you because they know they're going to have a fair shake and they're not going to get killed. You know, you're going to rob them. Uh, so you stop building rapport like that. And uh, that's how you earn. And then you, you think of things to do, uh, to turn good money, uh, bad money into good money and uh you just build it up you, you get involved with unions you, you have a friend that's in a, that has a trucking company that's not involved you get them involved you know what i mean you get them hooked up and they owe you and mm-hmm. you get an envelopes and you go in uh, strip clubs. you get over there a lot of these guys have problems so either have cash problems you go in there and give them money or they need uh, they need some protection because people bust their place up And you know most of them are not uh, the old days, the uh, strip clubs were just regular guys that had money and they went to the business. So you go there and you uh, shake them down, and or you pref- and you get an envelope and you make money. Another way to make money. I mean, it goes it goes on forever. It goes on forever. Uh, but if you're smart, you do that. Um, the most lucrative thing in the last 20, 30 years has been drugs. You know, dr- Shylock and bookmaking and, and, and drugs. Uh, because it was the easiest thing to do and, and it's lucrative. So that's why a lot of people tend to go that route. You know, uh, the law took away so many other things. They took away the gambling, you know, you know, OTB and, you know, the lotto and everything like that. So that hurt us in a lot of ways, you know, loans. Uh, uh, so you had, you had to think of other things to do. And, Became, you know, it's always drugs, always there, but it, but only certain people doing it. And everybody in their mother does it because they, got, they don't know what else to do. What else are you gonna do? They got, they got no rabbis, they don't know nothing about the life. So, what they do, they go cop a pound of coke and they go sell and they, and they become a uh, gangster drug dealers. That's what turned out in a lot of ways, you know, for the younger, younger morons,
0: you know. yeah. And, and so, on the drug specifically, is it really true that for a long time that that was a, a faux pas for the mobster to kind of uh, sell drugs.
1: You only certain crews were doing it. You know, I mean, you weren't allowed to. It was taboo. You know what I mean? It was taboo. Uh, hard drugs. Now, the Gallo's always dealt with pot and hashish mm. since I was a kid. Mm. I mean, did they promote it? No, but uh, everybody knows what they're doing. I mean, we want to make money, uh, you know, they won't give us money for nothing. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, um, some things were taboo, some things were less taboo. You know, a lot of guys turned their back. You know, we were renegades anyway. The, the Gallup crew was a bunch of renegades anyways. They won't listen to nobody anyway. So, you know, if somebody, if somebody came down from the uh, came, you know, from the uh, Jobofaci or Joey Colombo, you know, I, he said, you know, don't listen to him. I'm the boss do what you got to do, I tell you to do. So, you know, we all tend to look at Joey and them and and Larry, you know, and uh, because we were with them. So uh, we kept on doing it. Uh, We knew not to touch the heavy duty stuff because the, you know, uh, the bananas were doing that, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Carmine Galenti was strong in that. So, you know, when things came down, we had, we met with Carmine Galenti and those guys. Uh, the Mananos always, uh, they read it in it already, but Janavisi um, Chin didn't like none of that shit. He tried to stay close. Now, there's a lot of guys around him that's doing it that was on a hush hush. If they didn't get caught, everything's good. If they got caught, they were in trouble because uh, he'll kill you if you had to. So, uh, certain families did certain things, other guys did not do do them. Everybody wanted to do it, but nobody wanted to get killed and you were worried about it so if you want a crew or family that didn't give it you know didn't care then you were lucky you'd be able to deal in that too you know so you know uh it, it varied
0: yeah and i can see maybe a concern about uh drugs because people dealing them could get addicted to them cause problems but you would seem to potentially have the same problem with gambling right people wanted to gamble um, the guys on the mob side wanted to gamble on games or, or horses or whatever, uh, and could potentially get tied up in that. but but gambling's been a staple of of the the mob business. Um, was it a problem seeing the guys on the inside uh, losing more than they were earning because they got addicted to gambling or betting on games?
1: Now, you know because in this world, you can you can arrange things if, if the big boys like guys involved, they just ride off because of who they are. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as these, if it wasn't for degenerate gamblers, we wouldn't be in business because it wasn't for a little mob pop playing the diamonds for the guys playing thousands that are in trouble, that take loans out to pay the gambling bit, because they're, but they're earners. You don't give 20000 ten thousand, twenty thousand a the market for a guy, you know, making two hundred a week. These guys were all businessmen, you know, in some kind of business. And, and most of them were straight guys, you know, wannabes want to hang around with you, but they were straight guys. And you give the markets for that kind of money and let them, you let them play because they were, they were good for it. You know, uh, sometimes they go bad. I think, I think it can happen. No guarantees. But more didn't than did. You know what I mean? If, you, know, you know, it's economics, man. If more did went bad, more than didn't, we would be out of business. But it does <laughs> happen sometimes. You know, uh, John and those guys, uh, guy he had a big gambling habit. A lot of guys did, but then they voted off. But they were earning so much money all the time. It, it, it don't matter. Um, what happened was, is when they you take it away from the street guys, that's when they start scrambling to do all other things. Because the law found out how to how to how to make a living with it. You know, after we showed them a hundred years how to uh, how to do it, they finally got smart how to do it. And they took it away from us, and that's and it hurts you. It hurts your street guy, the non-violent street guy that just only you know that does Sherlock and that does bookmaking, that does runs around and does. Stupid shit that has to be done, a millions stupid things have to be done. That's who gets hurt. And those are the guys that turn around and do some things they, they're not supposed to do. They go oh, and they oh we're we'll so coke now because I can't earn no more, but they have no idea what they're doing. Or uh, they're nobody in the business, they have no connections, they just go and do it that's they run wild. They get nine out of ten times you get caught, and that's well, that's how the domino starts, and everybody starts getting in trouble. Because they're just searching. For something to do because they don't know better and that's why i brought a lot of people down
0: is there i guess it'd be hard for again on the outside dealing with someone who is um, you know a, a normal businessman or, or, or woman i guess potentially who's gambling but they start gambling away their family's livelihood into the mob is it hard at times that you see guys struggle with going to collect because these guys were getting so much debt that they were losing everything and essentially ruining their family's lives.
1: Well, we didn't give a shit either way, and I still don't care. You want to be a degenerate, (laughs) you're more than welcome. If I want to be a degenerate, it's none of your business. I mean, you're degenerate, you're degenerate. It's me. We have a list of degeneracy, you know, that could be degenerates. That's what they want to do. We're here to make money. We're hooligans. You want to to lose? Do I feel, nah, go sell your wife's diamond ring. It doesn't matter to us. No one cares. We don't care. Um, But 99 point nine they have the money to back it up yes they get jammed up yes people get smacked yes people get yelled at yes people get scared but 99 times if you hurt somebody you ain't getting paid that's the last thing you want to do it's happened because somebody and most of the times some people get hurt just because they're disrespectful because they haven't shown up or or they avoid your calls that's why they get smacked they don't get paid for the money these guys don't care about the money you know what i mean they want the respect. Now you want to. I owe me money. Now you want to disrespect me too. They get more money. They get more mad about the disrespect than the money. They go, out f- with the money." That's why the guys get hurt. They say, "We don't want the fifty thousand. Hell with him now. Kill him because he disrespected me." See, so it's crazy how these people think. You know, they turn business into something personal. Mm. But it, there's degenerates in everything, gambling. You know, uh, you know. I, I, you know, we've got guys that ran, uh, uh, uh what do you call it? Top, uh, topless joints. They became degenerates too, but we didn't care. You go in there, you can have all the boards you want. Just give us our envelope. You can do what you want. We didn't care. You know, we're not there to monitor anything. We're not there to be moral and half of us have no morals anyway. So, you know, we do what we got to do. It's, it's a mind. It's, you, you get, you get your mindset that way. When I was a young guy, you no, know, I I don't think like I think now. But no, I'm completely different. I think that way. I didn't even think you know, process. You know, and we go do it. You think that's right? Moral? You think? Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? You thought. You learn. You're thinking. You know, and you just go and do what you do. And that's what I did for almost 50 years probably 40 probably 45 years i was with him i still wouldn't for whole 45 years and what had to be done was done question something a little bit if i had to put my two cents in because i thought it was better he was getting older i was still younger coming up if i could if i could put my two cents in to to you know make something bigger or if i didn't see something in the street that i liked i would come back and say something otherwise you're the boss Tell me what, we go, that's it, you know what I mean? And that's how you, you're you supposed to be. And that's how most 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 guys who born, born into this life, not wannabes or who got involved for stupid reasons, uh, think. Because it's embedded in you. It's not something you want to do. It's something you do naturally, you know? Because I meet a lot of guys in the street well after my time, they're complete morons because they have no clue of any, any, any street sense or rules who, of regulation or, who, or who's who. You know, they just money, money, money. Yeah, I'm a store half that I, buy, I sell, you know, big shots and, 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 and they have no clue. That's why they're all in jail They're ratting on everybody because there's no mentors. There's nobody, you know, doing this stuff for these guys. You know, everybody's running, um, trying to protect themselves. You know, it's me, 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 you know what I mean? You know, you know, and that's what, that's why this thing is destroyed, you know, and it's definitely destroyed, you know.
0: Is the end coming for the the mob? Is in my lifetime, will this kind of pass away or will they be able to hang on and find new ways to reinvent themselves?
1: Listen, the law is smarter than everybody right now. So the, the law every day keeps coming up with new stuff, new surveillance, new stuff they got. You know, they got stuff we can't imagine. So it makes it harder, 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 harder and harder. They throw out more years at you. It's getting harder and harder and harder. You know, we don't even trust each other no more. I'm doing an article for the magazine now called uh, Strip Down, uh, it's when it comes out in November. It's, it's going to be an article about that. Guys are getting strained now and they have to strip down their underwears because, because they don't trust each other. If you can't trust somebody you're making and this to be your brother to die with it and you're making a strip down, it's already over it's over before it started common sense man it's common sense it's over before it started so yeah it's changed it's gonna it always have a hulam out there because when you know people are naturally bad or people naturally don't want to work you know uh, everybody's gonna try to do something it's just gonna be harder and harder maybe less organized uh, more individuals, and I think that's what's now. I think there's a lot more individual things happening. There's families, but I, I know of more. I know of more guys now that doing on their own. They're not with nobody. Mm. I mean, might have a like might if something happens. They go run there. They go. Oh, oh I've got in trouble. Here's an envelope. Otherwise, they're doing everything seven days a week on the street by themselves. Because it's no, you know, it's not organized no more like it, it was. But it would. I think it's always going to be there. And to the law shuts it down completely by the way they do jail, surveillance, you know, putting uh you know, and, and giving all this time out uh, and giving deals to the to the soft ones that 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 has been over you know to have something over on you and, and that's what they learned to do and that's what brought this down.
0: How much corruption is there on the the quote straight side about politicians, police, is that pretty common or is that pretty rare?
1: Well, I think now it's probably a lot less than it was 30, 40, 50. Well, definitely in the in, uh, 30s, they, uh, 20s and 30s, they owned everybody, bought everybody. We know, that. that's when it was in jail. And that's why they got so rich, Capone and all these guys, because they bought everybody. Judges, lawyers, DAs, people, mayors in, you know, uh, as the time went on over the years, just gets less and less. You know, uh, people, st- they started making more money, to, you know. Uh, they make more money than congressmen and uh, lawyers and judges. They make so much money now. They don't need to be bribed so easily. They don't need your 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 handout no more, put their life on the line. There's 401ks now. They they buy real estate. They're not easy to buy no more. And, and, And they know how much trouble they get into. So it's less and less and less and less. Now, in that world are the are they, are they, are they hoodlums and thieves. I think most politicians are hoodlums and thieves. I think they only work for themselves and I think they profit real well. And I, it's common sense. You know, they go in, they go in with a hundred thousand come out with 50 million. I mean, I don't know, and you're a <laughs> public servant. So you you can you can just guess, I'm a ninth grade dropout and, and I and I can figure that out. I mean, so people who are educated should know that a lot better than me.
0: Yeah, I remember uh I didn't go I didn't graduate college but one of the college courses I did take um was a I can't remember psychology philosophy something anyways and, and the professor said who is the uh most powerful people in the country or something like that uh that can do the most harm I can't remember how he phrased it but essentially he wanted you to I think he, his goal was for you to say that, like the mob you know the, the, they are and so we all kind of said mob we're gonna, he goes no 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 it's the politicians yeah. like they actually Politician. They're the ones who actually have the power and, and can do all this stuff and can change the law and make whatever legal or illegal and, and make a ton of money off of that racket. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually, that actually makes a lot of sense.
1: Sure. They, they, the mob is not a pimple on their ass. They are so <laughs> huge. And the money they make, you know, they do, they make their pensions and they make their salaries and they can't get fired. And they, you know, they, they, there's no term limits. I mean, we go on forever. I mean, that's gangster. I don't want to be that crew. If I was to go back in life, I want to be on that crew, man. That's, those guys are <laughs> powerful. And they make laws to protect themselves. They can't get in trouble. So, you know, I mean, unless they do something really bad, but I'm saying, but they make the structure to protect themselves. I mean, wow, that's, dang, that's gangster.
0: Well, let me ask you about two politicians. Um, first one, Rudy Giuliani. What do you think when I say that name?
1: Hey, Rudy put me out of business in 19, uh, 2004. I, I was in a porno business for 35 years with uh, newspapers and then uh, videos, and I, I made tons of money, man, tons. Of, I mean, we, I, we can burn it. That's much money made in the porno business. And he just put us out of business. So you know, at first, you know, you, you you're pissed off because uh, he hurt you, he hurt your pocket. But uh, uh, the guy was legit. I mean, he cleaned up New York. He, he, anything was mob ran. he, he shut it down. So to say this guy was on any take or this guy was bad with, the, with gangsters, I mean that that that's retarded because ex any gangster that was in a fish market or or a porno business or um, uh, fish market or you know, garbage anything, if you ask them, this guy wasn't a friend of ours. So uh, he was strong, he knew what to do, and and that, that many years now I, I admire his you know what he did. You know he was. He was, uh, it was good what he did, you know, the corruption was really bad. It was, the city was, was a shithole and and he, and he cleaned it up. So I I happen to be a fan of his. I wasn't a fan then. I'm a fan now. Right. He he took my money already. He can't hurt me no more.
0: Right. And, 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 you know, going up, he was the one that really kind of put the hammer down with the Rico cases and um, really kind of started rolling that out as well. And that also kind of gets, gets uh, forgotten. Maybe that some people don't realize that he was kind of the one that, really sat down and figured it out or was one of the ones, at least that, how to use those statues and um, started really putting the squeeze on the, on the mob. And so, and the other one obviously is, is Donald Trump, his connections, you know, uh, with New York city building. Um, and I had someone the other day goes, you know, it's, it's indisputable that he's connected to the mob. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I think anyone building buildings at that time is connected in the sense of you have to go through the proper channels to get the contractors and stuff, but that doesn't mean he's actually working in cahoots, like we might think. What's, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Nah, I I, you know, I was with a lot of people that was around him. Tony Napoli was around him because uh, Jimmy Knapp uh, sat with his father. Father was a little more shady. He was the only anything. Father was shady more. Donald, no. Donald, as anybody ever, this is well before he ran for this president, You know before he was president, doing any of that crap, I'm talking about years ago. Uh, if you Donald had a deal with New York, New York was ran by the unions, man. He couldn't get he couldn't get a. There'd be no Trump if it wasn't for unions. So you've got to meet people through people. You got to give deals out. You got It's just the way you do it. I have my personal opinion to people who are in this life. I know I don't think he's uh, connected at all. Not at all, not not at all. Now, does he does he uh, act like a, a gangster? Does he feel he's a gangster? Yeah, because he's got power, he's got money, he's got an attitude, so he's a half a gangster already. So, but you know, does it make him a gangster with organized crime. No crime. No. I firmly believe that he has nothing to do with anything except his dealings with New York with the contracting because he had to, just like. Anybody else, he's not the only contractor around. There's a lot of Tishman. There's a lot of big names there. Uh, They had to do the same thing. Does it make Tishman a a gangster? No. I mean, there's Leaf Rackers, whoever these people are. Are They're gangsters? No. So, but they had to deal with the same guys. So even to question why him and not those other guys is because you're just looking at him. But no, my, my answer to that is no. I don't think he's involved at all.
0: Okay. So what got you into being an author?
1: I lost you. Can you hear me now? Not here. Yes, I
0: said. What got you into being an author?
1: I've been in I've been in publishing all my life since I'm a little kid. We were we were distributors for a school magazine. I Goldstein screw. school, and I started up as a as a uh, helper on a truck to a driver to what in the office. Then I figured out at one point that we're, we're distributing other people's papers, making uh, 50 cents on a paper, they're getting $3, we're getting 50 cents. What's wrong here? We, we have the distributing locked up. I said, why don't we become publishers? So I went out and got a bunch of naked people together and shot naked pictures and and and, 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 and put a magazine together. I grabbed on a few people to write stories. I robbed what I had to go rob. And I, and I came out with a paper called Sex in the City. And we put that out and we were making 10 times more money because we now we're keeping all the money. And from there, we went into the adult video business. And, uh, from, and then in 2004, um, Juliana put us out of business altogether. So 2004 to 2006, I was sitting around a little bit with a video company, an adult video company. And then uh, 2007, I was sitting in a bar in New York and this black guy approached me. I walked by me, had a jacket on that I liked. I was, I was drinking my wife from the bar and I liked this a jacket he was wearing. So I called him over and he said he designed it and it was really cool. It was a lucky Luciano jacket, you know, lemon drops. It was really cool. And uh, it was like a baseball jacket. And he says, well, come to my office next week. I'll get you one, give you one. I went to the office and he said, I sat with him and he wanted some help with, uh, in the fashion world. So I went back to my people and they said to me, forget it. It's too expensive. You've got to be two years ahead of your time. It, it, don't touch it. So I went back to him. I said, I can't help you. He goes, but well, you know, I got another idea. He goes, why don't we make a magazine? He goes, I know you're knocking around guys because the people in the bar told me to stay away from you, not to mess with you. And But you got stories. I, want, I can write a magazine if you give me stories. I said, well, I can't say nothing. He goes, don't worry about it. You don't have to say nothing. Just talk about matterisms, jewelry, hot girls, nice cars, and gangster stuff, have to be none of you, nothing you have done or not like that. I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. Uh, about a week later, he comes up with like 10 pieces of paper, uh, stapled together, ripped out of a magazine. And he I, I met me on Court Street. And I said, what's this? He goes, well, this is what it's going to look like. I said, well, I don't understand what it's going to look like. you got to show it to me. You go back, you type it out, take pictures, put it down, bring it back to me. So he did that two weeks later, and it, and it came out really cool. So I said, okay, I'll, find it, I'll finance it. And it wound up being a magazine calling uh called uh mob candy we came out with about 12 issues and uh and it did really well you know i met a lot of people through it i mean a lot of friends in the in the in the uh, movie industry i wound up making a lot of friends through that uh through that magazine uh and then i i in like 2015 I was sitting down and, and, and my grandkids and my kids saying to me, why don't you write stories? Everybody's writing books, everybody's writing stories. I said, well, I can't say nothing because I, I never got pinched and, and went to a witness protection program and I can't tell nobody what I did. What I did is gotta stay personal. They said, well, there's ways to do, there's other ways to do things. I said, well, you tell me. And we, my a cousin of mine, another friend of mine, Anthony, we sat down, he goes, just tell stories of what you know of other guys. Of uh, nicknames of how it started, and I wanted to write in book called "The Lion in the Basement," going up in a gallop. What happened? I published it myself because I didn't know no publisher, I didn't know nobody, you know. And what happened was, it's out of it's out of about six months, and a publishing company sees it on it because I got it out in the in the stores. I got it in in some stores, and they saw it. And they called me up, and uh, they liked the book, and they wanted to uh, change the name. And because they couldn't they couldn't keep it the way it was because that's how the you know publishing company does stuff like that like, whatever you want to do I don't care you pay me you can do whatever you want with it anymore, uh, and they gave me a five book deal and what happened was I do a book a year for five years and that's what happened so I, I want they' taken my original book they I, I, I wrote an, I, I added another chapter to it and then I got the carmine uh, Persico book and then after that, I got the alban Anastasia book, uh, I wrote, and then after that, I did the uh, personal book, The Hitman, about Joey Gallo getting killed with the DiBiase, D-R, and uh, I just finished up the Karma Galente book, and in between making the, uh, then I decided, I, I just turned in the, the, the Galente book, that was the fifth book so I'm out, I said I'm out of uh, work I said <laughs> I got nothing to do. what am I' gonna do so we t- everybody's busting my gognoni saying because they loved the magazine the magazine did really well uh, I said I said you want to do it we'll do it again okay all right let's do it so I put a crew together uh, about a month and a half ago and everybody started just working getting the stories and you know and, and photos and, and, we, and I'm almost done about a, about a month a month away. And we'll come back out with the with the magazine called Mob Candy.
0: Yeah. And so I know that I've heard you in other interviews that there's a lot of stuff that you said that you won't talk about. So is there a like a point in the future where you might post death release a bunch of these stories that you're holding on to?
1: No, because you know, anything I can't talk about has got snap, statute of limitation, and there's nothing to talk about. Why should I ever say there's something bad or hurt somebody? Why should a family know? Why should, what, what am I going to get out of that? You know, I mean, I don't like when other people, you know, say that so nonchalantly that they kill somebody or they baseball bat at them. These people got families. They got little children that had to grow up without them. Uh, their mother and fathers, grandpa and grandmas, you know, to, to boast upon it now, you know, at the end, you know, I'm, a, I'm glad that, I, you know, I never got a pass and I could just say what I want. It almost keeps me more, you know, uh more um you know inner. It keeps me more quiet inside and I have to boat so I don't be boast boast about everything and be a big ass, you know, say I did this, I did that, killed this guy, killed that guy. I don't want, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I don't think it's nice. So no, I don't think I'll ever get a pass to do so. There's no reason to get a pass. I can't get a pass no more anyway, because I haven't been around nobody in 20 years. And everybody I know is dead. So I couldn't even rat on nobody because I'm going to rat on that people. I mean, I couldn't do nothing. No, Everybody knows that. So um, and, and I'm not going to rat on myself. So there's, there's nothing you can do. So my answer that's no, I'm never going to come out and boast about any bad that I did, because I don't think it's right. I don't think anyone should do it. I think there's so much. There's so much interesting things in this world. We did, you know, we used our brains you know, uh, the funny part of it, you know, the, the everyday workings, the, the dressing, the drinking, the boys, the booze, the, you know, just the fun of a lot of things, do, you know, how we scared people, how we cursed, how we laughed after we scared somebody. You can make a lot of, you can make a lot of writings about that. You don't need to say you shot some, a, a kid in the head. I mean, I just don't, I, I just don't believe in that. So my answer that, no, I, you'll never, no one's ever going to know what I did. Okay. Except who's alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let me ask you this. What is the one question maybe growing up that you heard rumors about that you wish you knew the answer to that you will probably never find out? Okay, tied to the mob life, of course.
1: Well, you know, because I read like everybody else and, and I, you know, I tie my hands. I'd like to know what happened to Hoffa. You know what I mean? Because, you know, uh, Tony Knapp told me he didn't get killed and Tony Knapp was a big shot in, in our world. He said he ran away with a million dollars and the full so bullshit about him being, you know, chopped up here, chopped up there, he's in this thing, he's in that. He tells, I would like to have known the answer because, you know, that's pretty interesting, you know, because it's just everybody's face all these years. I mean, I mean, I was told, you know, by Joe Shep who killed uh, uh, Vincent Mangano, he told me who killed the boss, you know, you know uh, he said that Avanastasia killed himself, chopped him up, put him in the water. I mean, I wrote it in the book because you know I didn't make it up. That's what Joe Chapin which is the most well-respected uh, man in that world. Uh, if anybody's still alive, that knows Joe Chappan. You know, Joe, if he if Joe spoke, you listen. You know what I mean? You know, he look like your grandpa, but he got a stick that was bigger than uh, than a bazooka because that's how much power he had. And if uh, Uncle Joe, we call him Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe spoke, you listen. And he if he tells you that that uh, uh, Alba killed uh, Vincent Morgano, Alba killed Vincent Morgano, you know, that's it. So, you know, little little stuff like that. I mean, other stuff I I know already that, you know, I wrote in the book, I wrote in the, in the line in the Basement or the President Street book. I wrote a couple of killings that they were all dead that while I was down President Street, who went and did the shooting. They're all dead now, but I I said it, you know, uh, there's a couple of open murders, they're still open. Uh, but all the shooters are dead, you know so uh uh that's probably only I, 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 probably the only thing I'd like to know is about the Hoffa one I, I, otherwise I'm pretty privy to all the stuff that I know, and nothing else around was, was interesting even to care about
0: so <laughs> okay so Hoffa, your 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 theory based on what you're told is that Hoffa ran yeah. away with a million dollars and wasn't killed
1: that's his. That's, okay. what, that's what Tony Knapp said. Tony Knapp says, he took off with him. He said, Tony Provenzano got to him and said, you're going to get die, you're going to die. And he finally woke up because he didn't think he had the power. He was a cocky guy. He thought he had the power. But Tony Provenzano told him, you got it. That's he's going to go. Because there was a the way Tony Knapp told me, there was a million dollars missing out of the uh, fund. And, his, and, and, and he said his son wound up being the president. That's not supposed to happen. The guy who was arguing with, the, I forgot, who who's, he was trying to take the, the the presidency away from would have been the president. So uh, he, he brought a few details out that, uh, you know, that made sense. He said, well, would you take a body from the, what, Detroit and drive it to Jersey? I wouldn't. I wouldn't take a body for t- more than 10 feet. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to drive in a car. No one drives a car that long. Mm. I mean, it's 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 not normal procedure. I mean, I mean anything's possible, but in in my world, and anybody ever knew, uh, we talked about it many times. I said, you gonna, you drive uh, nine hours to, with a body in the car, you could get stopped, for anything. You, mm-hmm. you turn signal, a fucking flat. Excuse me, flat. Uh, you give one out of gas. Are you gonna buy in the car? Nah, I don't think so, man. I don't think <laughs> so. So that's far fetched too.
0: Okay, so where did Hoffa go? Did he say? He
1: did. what? Italy, he said. Italy. Okay. He thinks he went to Italy.
0: Italy. Why? Okay. I don't know. Well, for our listeners in Italy, move. if you think you saw Hoppe uh, yeah. many moons ago, maybe you did. Maybe you did. So, okay, Frank, it's, where it's, it's, should we send people to, to find out more about what you have going on? Okay. You know, every, you go to the
1: website, mobcandymag.com, and all of our books and magazines are there uh you know we're on uh, you can find me on youtube i make mean, got a hundred things on youtube frank and Matthew, Mark candy uh pretty much everything's there you can find me there and, and um, you'll find me and that'll link to something else that you know what are we doing new you know with the magazine or a book coming out or a party or something like that uh but right now the magazine is really important because we're coming out the next month and it's gonna be a really cool cover that I think it's gonna be really out there that they're gonna think we're crazy, even to do this cover. <laughs> want
0: to see it? let yeah. see the cover? Yeah, let's see the cover. Yeah. The listeners can't see it, but That's I can it.
1: See it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really crazy, man.
0: Yeah. I think you're gonna get called crazy for that. <laughs> we're gonna get a lot, we're gonna get a lot of
1: flack over, it, you know. We're gonna get a lot of uh, you gotta do that. You, you gotta do that. You get, you, get, you get some flack over it, you know. What I mean, let's do something crazy, let's do something different. Let them talk about it. They talk about it, man, you know, good or bad, they're talking about it. So, uh, that was my idea with everybody. Say, Yeah, you're mine. Yeah, you're mine. I say, Yeah, well, I might be out of my mind, but I says, You'll see. You'll see. And awesome. pretty much, you can see everything that's coming up. And ending Google Frank DeMatteo, man, we got millions of things. You know, I got TikTok, we got Instagram, we got, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff. you find me. It's real easy to find. If you want me, you find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I enjoyed this and uh, look forward to reading the, the next book that comes out, what, March of next year? Is that right?
1: March. Yeah, that's a Carmine Galenti book. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah, he's Looking an interesting to. guy.
0: Thank you for yeah. your time, sir.
1: You got it, man. Thank you.
0: Okay, hope you enjoyed my interview with Frankie Diamato. Be sure to drop a five-star review wherever you may be. Yeah, I know we had a little bit of Zoom issue there in the middle. Hope you endured to the end. Let me know in the newsletter what you think about Frankie's comments on Hoffa, Trump, or Giuliani. RyanRaySenior.com slash newsletter, and we'll talk real soon.